This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking, because boring is steady, pragmatic, responsible. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for red carpets, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money, so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. PNC Bank National Association member FDIC. Auto insurance can all seem the same until it comes time to use it. So don't get stuck paying more for less coverage. Switch to USA Auto Insurance and you could start saving money in no time. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Khan. I'm laughing at the superior intellect. Hello and welcome to Unequal Sequel. My name is Dave and I am one of your two hosts of this amazing podcast. And I'm Rich and I'm also one of two hosts of this podcast. Think of me as Sam to Dave's Frodo. I don't know what I'm doing and he's got hairy feet. The premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests their best ever sequel, worst ever sequel and finally their dream sequel. And of course we quite often drift off and just have some good chats about movies. And on today's episode we are joined by artist Matt Ferguson. For those of you who don't know, Matt is the co-owner and director of Vice Press. He's done movie poster work for Disney, Marvel, and now Hasbro with a Transformer franchise. I'm really excited about that. You can Mm, probably tell when you get into this episode. They're all great pieces of art. We are both huge fans, and I'm about to spend loads of money on some of his work. So if my wife is listening, I promise it's not from the joint account. I've just bought some, it's fine. (laughs) We're all very excited to sit down with Matt and chat all things sequels with him. This is Matt Ferguson's Unequal Sequels. Enjoy. Well, I was going to try and take a while to get onto like Transformers, but I don't know if you can see behind Rich, he's got Transformers behind him. Oh, I mean, I've moved house recently, so I've not got all my collection out, but I've got lots. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm mildly Transformers obsessed. I'm working on the 35th anniversary lots of stuff happening with that so is that your dream project basically yeah i mean i've had lots of those dream projects but yeah that one's kind of like the kid the kid yeah. i can see the smile on your face because <laughs> obviously there's stuff that you love when you're a bit older and stuff but like the kid me is like transformers that's yeah. why i still buy all the toys and stuff because i just love them absolutely and i've got a five-year-old little yeah. boy now and he's transforms obsessed but in the right way too because we we watch the movie together about once, oh, once every couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, my daughter, um, she's, she's not bothered about the Transformers cartoon. She loves He-Man, but she likes Transformers toys. So she, that's the Dinobots. She's obsessed with the Dinobots. So. Well, I'm, I'm excited for the poster. I think Rich will definitely get the poster. Oh, yeah. When, when the poster... When you've well, got printed the, poster. the poster isn't even the, the whole of it. That's incredible. Yeah. It's everything. Wicked. Well... That, but that's, and I've sort of made it happen as well, because it sort of started out not being everything. It started out being a poster, and then I've just gone, I need to do more. And I've made it <laughs> a bit crazy. <laughs> I love it. Amazing. So they come to you or did you uh, uh, go to both? I kind of like shouted on Twitter about it a lot saying I wanted to do it. And then they came to me saying, we've noticed that you want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) You've made it quite clear. Is that how you got your first project? No, my first project was just putting stuff online. 
and then getting noticed and I got noticed by some Marvel people. And then they, my first ever job was doing the Avengers box set. That's that's a professional job. Try and stay cool about that. I don't think yeah, I would be. It was crazy. Just scream a lot. Do you remember your first sequel that you watched? Yeah, I do. You know, it'll be Return of the Jedi. I actually saw Return of the Jedi before I saw the other ones. I think <laughs> I can, I've got a vivid memory of Jabba the Hutt freaking me out. That sounds yeah. very old because it came out in 1984. So I would have been like coming up to two that is and a... I didn't see it then it was a bit later it was on TV so it was whenever the premiere on TV would have been I was probably like four or five or something but I've got really vivid memories of Jabba the Hutt freaking me out positive memories yeah I think so I've, I've, I've always liked that see like my other half doesn't like horror and stuff like that whereas I really do I've always liked to be scared yeah. apart from afterwards when it when you're thinking about it laid in bed and you're like but, yeah, no. So uh, I think I've always had that sort of... Th- it's like thrill-seeking, isn't it, really? So Yeah. Do you like roller coasters and worms? No, I hate roller coasters. I went to oh. Alton Towers once and I, I made it to lunchtime. I had to go home. <laughs> <laughs> which which ride put you off? Was it the nemesis? Uh, it was the one It goes up and it stopped at the top and then it went down a pit. Oh, yeah, it's Oblivion. Yeah. And I went, oh, bloody hell, at the top. <laughs> And then I, when we were done, I was just like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done, done now. I'm what done I found when like I'm, 10 years ago. When Salton Towers or anywhere like that is because I'm, I'm six foot six and I don't fit in anything. I'm too tall for all of them. So like, I'm trying to get in, into like squash myself into these things and like come off like bruised and battered because I've just been shoved into a into like these the bits that go over your shoulders and stuff. And then they started, you know, they, they put like, if you're taller than this, you, you've got to be taller than this to ride this ride. They also have, if you're taller than this, you can't ride this ride. So it was yeah. like get, oh, queuing wow. for ages and getting turned away. Like, it's not fair. Oh, that's <laughs> that isn't fair. The last person we interviewed, which was Helen O'Hara, she also said Return of the Jedi was her first memory. And right. it was the first sequel she's seen out of order. Did you watch them in the right order afterwards? Uh, I will have done, yeah, because I can remember watching Star Wars. We didn't get a video until like 1991, and I don't even yeah. know if it was even on video, readily available, you could probably rent it. Um, so we watched it on TV, and then the first time I really properly watched them would have been when the special editions came out in the cinema, and saw them yeah. in the cinema. Six, something like that. I mean, that's when I first got to experience on the big screen, I was yeah, very excited. Same. It was great those uh but that's when they try slowly changed a few things old george lucas made some yeah explosions changes, better it, it's weird because some of the changes are good like if it's to fix a problem i'm all for it i'm fine like a black outline on something or something like yeah. that i'm like fine fix it but if it changes like the tone mm. then i kind of am a bit like well it's like darth vader now screams oh. no at the end of return of the jedi i didn't know that was going to happen so i watched the the 4k blu-rays and I was like, this is a nice picture quality. And then he screams no. And I was like, what? And it gave me flashbacks to Revenge of the Sith. Sith. Oh. Which I guess is why he did it, because he wanted to tie it back to, mm. to the new film. But I, that whole thing with Darth Vader is it's sort of silent. Mm. He just does it. He just makes the decision and he does it. So then him screaming no makes it like less of a sacrifice. Oh, I really hate that no in Revenge of the Sith. It yeah. physically makes me angry. It's worse in Return of the Jedi. It's worse in Return of the Jedi because it's just like... Because it's a film you love. I, well, I love it as well. It's my favourite Star Wars. Yeah. It doesn't ruin the film, to be honest. The film's still really good. But I find it a yeah, bit odd. Bit. What is your best sequel? Let's hit this up. By the way, great picks. I'm excited to talk about them. 
My favourite sequel is Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. What a great what choice. What a great choice. <laughs> we were talking about liking horror, and when, when Dave told me what your picks were, I was like, that that's the first film, that's the first time I ever remember having a proper nightmare. Like proper as a kid yeah. waking up sweating, yeah, in the ears. Yeah. And I watched, I watched it again, knowing we do this podcast. And I was like, the, the effects are so bad now. <laughs> like, oh, the prosthetics are so bad. I was like, definitely not having nightmares this time. Well, there's a little close up of the yeah, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's got a weird little, and you think, oh, that's going in their ear. Yeah, but yeah, proper woke up sweating. Like very upset as like a seven year old kid, I think. Yeah, been the, I had the same. There's, they they go to the abandoned space station and Bones finds the people hung upside down that Khan's left, and it's really like, well, yeah. Especially like if you've watched the TV series or the motion picture, which is just the TV series again, it's like a whole other sort of tone. Me and Rich found out today that that like the Rafa Khan is like a sequel to a. An episode in 1967. I, yeah, yeah I've never realised that. Are yeah. you are you a Star Trek fan? Would you call yourself a Trekkie? Yeah. Very proud of it. I like yeah. it. I, I used to go to school dressed up as Captain Kirk when I was a kid. Amazing. Nice. So Shatner's like next level for you. Yeah, I had a homemade Captain Kirk outfit. That's brilliant. There's a scene in Wrath of Khan right at the start where Kirk's kind of saying hello to the to like the cast. And I was like, it's like... An, an, there's this person is by this like bones and like you know Scotty and and then he goes and who are you and he's like my name's Pete and he's like, I'm like he's dead <laughs> he's like that guy's dead <laughs> and they're like two scenes later he's dead <laughs> he's yeah. like, well they couldn't have the red shirt thing anymore because they're all wearing red yeah, in that, yeah by that point so there's no red shirt thing I watched it and it plays so well like it's I say see a lot of people say it's like a like a western uh, and I've really t- never really taken that on board until. Probably well yesterday. What do you like about it so much? What I like uh, that the writer and director obviously understood Star Trek, and they understood it's got some allegory in it, and that's obviously key to Star Trek. But also the whole thing with the the, the, the characters, mm. and it's like a real swashbuckler in tone and like very naval. So it's where they really kicked in in Star Trek with all of the sort of. Uh, submarine warfare type stuff and it just gives yeah. it a really interesting flavour because obviously with Star Wars it's it's dogfights mm, it's yeah. spitfires but th- this is a different kind of thing in space and it just has a really nice sort of, it's just it's, it's basically a perfect film I think really. and James Horner's score yeah, absolutely bangs it, it rips for that reused film. from something else, oh, I really? which film now yeah he used to reuse all of his scores like crazy <laughs> <laughs> like is it Battle Beyond the Stars maybe because he did the oh, score for that and then he also did Krull and if you watch Krull the music mm. it's like oh wait a minute I've heard that and then there's all sorts of cues that are similar to in Aliens and stuff as well. yeah he was James and Cameron's I case. just sort of like he's got such a good style James Horner you can really tell yeah are you a fan of the original film the motion picture I am yeah I really like it it's, it's very different so this sequel like you say it's a sequel to the TV episode, mm. and that's it's weird because like Star Trek Two is kind of like one of the more action-packed episodes of Star Trek, mm. even though they never actually meet each other face to face. But the motion picture is like trying to do the whole thoughtful two thousand and one thing, yeah. And it's got really amazing visuals and it's really good, but it's very slow and takes a long time to watch. Whereas the Wrath of Khan's like it just it just rollicks along and it's just really it's like a real because a, a lot of people don't like that. 
original motion picture, didn't they? That's a, yeah, I, gets I, a lot I, of grief. I, I like it. I think it's really good. It's probably like in my top five Star Trek films, the motion picture. It's like it's a different kind of film, so mm. it's really hard to sort of compare them because they're just so different. You're going to have to rank them now. I have to rank my Star Trek films. Yeah, yeah if you can. What's bottom? <laughs> The worst one is Star Trek Into Darkness. Really? Yeah, by quite a way. Okay. That's the one where they tried to remake the Wrath of Khan and failed miserably. Yeah, yeah it's, it's See? not good. So that's kind of like my gut reaction of going, why are you doing that? Because you're just imitating something that you just can't can't do it as good. Don't do it. The bad guy in that should have just been a Klingon because the Klingons used to look like people in the original series. Mm. So they should have done the whole thing where he's being altered to look like a person. But he's yeah. really a Klingon. And that'll explain the superhuman strength and all that stuff. Anyway, whatever, I digress. <laughs> it's not a very good film. It's good to look at. Right. What about the original cast? Let's start with them. So, so Khan's the best. Khan's the best. Then Star Trek Four, yeah. I would say, is after that, because that's a really good movie. Then probably Star Trek Six, The Undiscovered Country. I mean, yeah, I saw that one. I'm with, cinema, you. <laughs> with you so far. <laughs> and then it's either three... The Search for Spark or or the Motion Picture, they're kind of like four and five, about the same. I even like Star Trek Five, to be honest. Is that the Search for God one, the Prime Frontier one? Yeah, it's the one that William Shatner directed, and it's kind of like a bit of an ego trip. <laughs> a bit of an ego trip. <laughs> but if they go to meet God, and he's all just like, I don't think so. And he has a fight with God. It's, <laughs> it's not. It turns out it's an alien. Obviously, it's not really God, but. It's awesome because God's like, I need your ship to spread my word through space. And he's just like, I have a question. Yeah. What does God need with a starship? It's just, I just always loved it. The delivery. Yeah. Hang on. Shatner is so good as Kirk, isn't he? Like, yeah. he was born to play this part, especially in this film. And in, in this one, was he 50, 51 at this point? I think he just turned 50. And they were reticent. I, I remember reading or hearing that they were reticent to do the stuff with him being middle-aged and like needing glasses i love that but then it kind of like works so well for the character because he's kind of like a bit on the back foot Mm. yeah and and there's the young people coming in that because oh it's kirstie alley isn't it and she's sort of like the young upstart kirstie alley's great in it as well yeah she's like her film debut isn't it yeah 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 so it's kind of got lots of themes like about that getting old and but also rebirth and then there's the whole stuff with the genesis device mm. which is to do with all of that as well so it's like just it all just everything sort of ties together and it all lines up and i think considering it was made in what 82 was it 82 yeah it had it still had that kind of 60s vibe to it though didn't it, it that, that's how it kind of felt to me you, you, it still looked like the original series a bit you know i didn't whereas some of them like like five, for example, kind of feels very separate to that. I don't know. It's for yeah. me, and just the aesthetics of it. It's just got. A, it's like. The, it's. A, I think it's a tonality thing. Mm. The tone of it and the way they talk, and he obviously got the characters and the way Spock is, mm. like sacrificing himself, oh. but not making a big deal out of it, not being all like, no. <laughs> he just does it yeah. calmly. Doesn't help. Doesn't tell anyone what he's doing. It makes it more emotional by him being not emotional that's like the key mm. it's brilliant yeah that's a great cinema death it's, it's so well played mm. and, and the chemistry between well the three of them between bones spock and yeah and, and shatner is at this point is well, obviously it's, it's so good to be doing it for like however long years if you had to pick a favorite scene what would your favorite scene be in star trek 2 yep yeah, in rafa khan 
favorite scene. Yeah. There's so many really good ones. Um, I, I don't know if I can. <laughs> <laughs> the one that impacts the most is the death scene. But I don't know. I kind of always loved how um, he's he does the is the scene where he, he he ties into the computer on the Reliant ship. Great scene. And he gets them the shields to come down, and the guy's like. I can't raise the shield and Khan's like losing it and he just says what does he say to Khan it's coming right now or something right and it's now. really well shot the way he says like fire and it's just close up yeah fire and it's just like oh he's because up to that point he's kind of been a bit on the back foot and that's like when he gets his mojo back and it's really mm. like oh, he's kicking ass again yeah so yeah I think that that's like where it turns because up to that point obviously Khan's got the upper hand and he twists it around. It was like classic Captain Kirk and he turns it to his advantage. Yeah. And then from that point, obviously, you know, he's not going to lose, but then he does lose. Lose. Spock. That is true. Have you ever got to watch this with an audience, like in a cinema? Have you ever got to experience it that way? I don't think I have, actually. No, did I? They did a. Re- they did do a. No. They, I was going to because they were doing screenings of it. So the pandemic last, happened. And the pandemic hit. I was going to do it like last year, I think. And there was something to do with Shatner coming and doing Q&A oh. as well. And there was tickets up for sale. And then it all... So I would have by now, probably. That would have been so good. It would be so good to watch it with fans of the same... But it's the 40th next year, so... Um, Are you knocking on some doors? I'm always knocking on doors. <laughs> I'm like, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll make a poster. It'd be a great poster. <laughs> the, the artwork to this as well, you must... Love this poster, Bob Peak poster. Yeah, yeah, it's a classic. It is a classic. That would that would look good on the. Movie. I actually think his one for the motion picture is a more iconic poster, though. The motion picture poster with the three heads mm. and the rainbow colours going up. That's like pretty much my all-time favourite film poster. But it's it's cool. It's the same artist because they used the same artist for all the movies. They did all the key art because they used to do that back in the day. I'm about to say what what is he still doing them? Is he stops? Oh, I think he's. I think he might be dead. Right. Bob Peak. Yeah, it's a great poster. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, obviously, Wrath of Khan for me is is the ultimate Star Trek movie, um, mm. mainly because it's endlessly quotable as well. There's so many bits in it that you realise that other people have ripped off as well. I mean, obviously, there's the the Shatner, the Khan that kind of yeah, yeah happens a lot. But there's a, there's a there are a few bits in it when I watched it again, I was like, oh, that's where that comes from. Is it? Have you got favourite lines or anything from it? Well, obviously, like you say, there's the calm one. It, it, it's like a really literary film, and it does quite a bit of quoting from literature, like Khan's just spouting Shakespearey type stuff. Mm. So I like that, like when he says, "I spit my last breath at you," or whatever he says. I've seen it a lot of times, but I can't verbatim yeah say the, the lines. That's okay. I'm going to want to watch Star Trek 2 this weekend now. Though, it's so good. I forgot like, how good it was. It is genuinely a, it just, a, an The pacing classic. is so good. Like, it's what is it? Just over two hours long or something like that? Yeah. It's just, and it just tight. It's just edited so well. It's so Everything's nice the way it just bad. bubbles along and you, you know, it introduces the characters really nicely because we didn't even know Khan was in the original series. So we didn't know who this Khan filler is. No, but you, like, you don't. You kind of don't, you don't even have to. Yeah, you don't need to. You, you see the fear in people's faces as soon as Chekhov is. Well, the classic thing is, is Chekhov wasn't in it. Yeah, what? that's true. Chekhov came in in series two, and Spacey did series one, and Chekhov wasn't even in. But the there's episode. a they've they've kind of pre they've they've gone back and written it, haven't they? That he was 
he was a security officer on Enter- on the Enterprise and oh, Metcon so he was and... there, but he he wasn't part of the story. But he wasn't on the he wasn't in the show. Yeah, yeah, because he wasn't cast at yeah. that point. So then, when obviously Chekhov goes and at the beginning, he's like Botany Boat, yeah, yeah, and he's like, and he's, <laughs> and he has to uh, get out there, but they don't get out there in time, and then Khan recognizes him. Mm. Yeah, people, a lot nerds were like, huh? but it doesn't it doesn't really matter because if you've not seen the episode, that tells you what you need to know that it's somebody they knew. Yeah, and he was marooned there. That's what you need to know. Yeah. And he's mad. He's really upset. Yeah. And the reactions in everyone's face, as soon as they hear the yeah. word Khan, they're like, fuck, we're in trouble now, kind of thing. Especially uh, Shatner's reaction. We should probably... Um, how did you react to Spock's death first time you watched I will it? Have, I will have cried. I've cried a few times watching the film. I was very young when I watched that film for the first time. No Probably shame. a bit too young, because I think it was like a 12 or a 15 even when we were kids. But I, I think I watched mm. it when I was about 7 or 8. Yeah, I would have been about 7, I think, when I watched it for the first time. Hence the nightmares. <laughs> I liked the TV series as a kid, because like, my, my parents introduced me to that. So I'd watched that a lot. So then watching the film like that, it was a bit like a real eye-opener. You yeah. see, it, it's, it's like the, the uptick in the special effects as well compared to the original TV series because it's, it's ILM isn't it and it's just it's really mm. got some impressive visuals in the space bits anyway yeah because sequels at this point in 1982 weren't really a, like you know a, a guaranteed thing so this could have been the point that yeah, that actually died it wasn't like a done thing and that's kind of like why it works because it, I know it leaves it open at the end a bit but coming back to Into Darkness mm. when Captain Kirk dies in that one doesn't he at the end right but then they bring him back 10 minutes later anyway and it's like just have the balls to leave it for a year Mm. or longer till the next movie yeah this one had three years between this i think it's a bit of a giveaway when the third one sorry it's called the search for spock true true. so i mean but still at that point were you like mum dad is he dead and they're like yes (laughs) he's dead (laughs) finished but that's like I think it's like Transformers. Yeah. That was the other one. Optimus Prime dying that freaked me out. If that because of the UK version of Transformers, it says at the end in a voiceover, Optimus Prime will return. If it didn't say that, mm. I'd have been finished. That was more important to me. Oh than really? Yeah. Stuff. Optimus Prime. Well, so that's, that's Leonard Nimoy in that as yeah. well, isn't it? Yeah, he's the voice of Galvatron. Yeah. Yeah. The cast in that is is bizarre. The cast got is Eric amazing. Idle. It's Eric Idle. Orson Welles' last film. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It, it's brilliant. It's we can talk about Transformers if you want now. It's a brilliant movie. Transformers yeah. the movie is my favourite movie of all time. And it's that's... up there for me. It's crazy. It's such a good film. The soundtrack is unbelievable. Yeah, it's got quote line. The lines are so quotable. Yeah. Like ninety percent of them. Like you said, like the the Transformers they kill off at the beginning. Everyone. Everyone, yeah. <laughs> just kill off everyone you love. Like, like, <laughs> wow, it's crazy. It's not a kids' movie. Well, no. yeah, I mean, but it's it. it thing is, is is coming to sort of with Transformers. Is it's a tone thing again. It's still got a tone of fun. It's got like mm. hot rod fishing, mm. you know, loved hot rod. silly things like that. So it, it's kind of kid friendly and not at the same time. Whereas like some of the recent movies, yeah. they're not. The tone is really weird like nasty undercurrent to it mm. obviously Megatron's going to be bad and want to kill people but yeah that, the that, Bay first movies for me town. just really upset me like beyond the yeah. first one the first one's acceptable I quite and, like the first one yeah. and Bumblebee's yeah. acceptable but everything in between yeah. just just really grinds my gears 
<laughs> it's just really strange things like that. I, I, I've saw one of them at the cinema. I can't remember which because they sort of all merged together. Mm. But Optimus Prime's fighting another robot, and he says, "Give me your face," and then with his bare robot hand, rips the face off of the other robot. Yeah. That's and not all melted off and disintegrated. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, it's fine because it's just robots." But to the kids, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. That's when it yeah. becomes like a problem with the tone for me. Yeah, and that's also not what Prime would do. No, he's got freedom is the right of every sentient being. You know, absolutely. So, like, there's oh. just no, yeah, no. It just that it 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 completely loses it for me on that in that second movie. And that's so. That's I mean, actually, Dave, if you, if you're asking me these questions we ask in this podcast, then in terms of like like worst sequel, then it's going to be the Bayverse Transformers two, and the dream sequel will be a sequel to the original '86 movie. So, yeah. <laughs> was the sequel to the '86 movie? Was it another TV series? Yeah. Or was it? They well, did another TV okay. series, yeah, but it was kind of like a bit crazy. And then it went like really Japanese as yeah. well, series like the headmaster stuff. Yeah, series four. They only, they only had three episodes, and then it just kind of they just lost it really. But That's I think by shame, that point, it? like eighty eight, Transformers sales were kind of dropping through the floor. Eighty eight to ninety, and then it wasn't until Beast Wars that they picked up again. And by that time, you can't really go back to, no. to G one really, you know. But they could make one now because all all of the. St- 30 something 40 somethings and still go and watch it oh, I've got a pitch if I was in the room with like Hasbro Studios or Paramount or whoever it is the pitch would be to do a trilogy first movie is Cybertron setting it all up no humans yeah. just the story of how it all starts in the war and you've got Optimus Prime but he's not Optimus Prime becomes Optimus Prime oh. but then at the end of that movie they realise that they can't win so they get in their arc and they go to escape the second movie is Earth and all that, and you get the Decepticons come in, and it's sort of like an Earthbound war movie. And then the third movie is just essentially a remake of the 1986 movie. With Unicron. Amazing. Yeah. So you just build up to this crazy ending movie. So it's sort of like a MCU style. Yeah. By the end, you've got a planet eating other planets and stuff, but you've sold by that point. Absolutely. Yeah. At Outback Steakhouse, your wish is our command. Back by popular demand, steak and lobster at a special price starting at $19.99. Come enjoy our bold centre-cut sirloin seasoned with our signature blend of 17 spices and paired with a buttery, succulent lobster tail. Hurry into Outback Steakhouse where your steak and lobster wishes come true at a price you can't miss. Steak and lobster starting at $19.99. No rules, just right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. 
what is your most disappointing sequel? So it's not the worst sequel, but one when you were so hyped for it and then you got in it and then you're out of it and you're like, oh God, that was disappointing kind of thing. What gave you the blues? Probably Star Trek Into Darkness because we're talking about Star Trek and I quite like the Star Trek 2009. I think that's a really good movie. It is really good. But Into Darkness just just fumbled. Everything. Everything. It's just a shocker. Yeah. And it looks so good as well. So you sat there thinking, this is a really pretty, amazing looking film. With incredible special effects. Really good action. And there's nothing to it. It's just nonsense. And I saw that at a midnight screening as well. So I saw Star Trek 2009. And then that after it was a double bill. So I'd just seen a really good movie. Oh. And, went, and then I was like, Dude, I want to go to bed. I want to go to sleep. This is the worst. I want to go to sleep. So that made it Did even worse. Did you see that with fans? It was that proper Star Trek fans as well. So was everyone just... I guess so. It would have been, yeah. Everybody hated it. Good. That... And my wife was like, why did you bring me here? <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing like um, seasons of films, we call it. So we did all of the MCU. We're doing that now. And we're doing Arnold Schwarzenegger at the moment. And that is some serious ups and downs. <laughs> like, you start off with like stuff like the first Conan movie. Oh, this is really good. I've not seen this for a while. I'm loving it. And then the Conan sequel not good. is unbelievably bad. Red Sonja is unbelievably bad. Oh, I haven't seen that in years. Red Heat is shocking. <laughs> Raw Deal is quite good fun. I enjoyed Raw Deal. But, you know, then it, it gets a little bit better. And then you get into stuff like Junior, and you're just like, oh, God. so where are you now in that? <laughs> I think the next one is Terminator 2. Oh, so oh we're wow, like that's a good reaching one. peak. Yeah. We're reaching peak, and we just had... Talking um, about good sequels, that is... Kindergarten Cop, which was pretty yeah. good. <laughs> Kindergarten Cop, hold up. It's not a tumor. <laughs> you, you've, still got, you've still got True Lies to come. You know, that's, that's, True Lies, that's, yeah. There's at least one good one to look, look forward to after Terminator yeah. 2. <laughs> we might give up. Yeah, but we do like doing the scene because yeah. then, then, a the choice is taken away from you, mm. and b you either get pleasantly surprised or you just like this is so bad and you just go with it and have a laugh. Yeah, around. we're doing Marvel good Monday at the moment, me and my wife, and she's loving them, so that's that's good. We're going to go on to your worst sequel now. Okay, so it's sort of not my worst sequel. Your least favorite sequel. Least favorite would be Spider Man Three. <laughs> good choice. Because... I can see why. <laughs> Like, I could have chosen, like, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 or whatever, but that's just kind of, like, redundant yeah. because I just don't really care mm. about that film. But I do care about Spider-Man 3 because I love Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2 specifically so much. And Spider-Man 3, I think, although not a terrible film, has got some very strange things in it that were maybe studio yeah. mandated, yeah. I would have thought. there's some really horrible bits in it. I actually... I have a story that that Spider-Man Three is the only film I've ever walked out of the cinema without finishing. <laughs> like, wow. uh, yeah, so I watched Spider-Man. How far did you get? Um, I was saying this to Dave earlier because he was really curious as where I got. Because I said to him, I watched it again today, and I was like, at exactly the same point. I was like, no, I'm giving up on this movie, <laughs> like, but I stuck <laughs> with it today, so I've actually seen the whole thing. I think it lost me at the point where Peter's dancing down the road. Um, and um, all the girls yeah. are looking at him Disco and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and uh, I le- I decided to leave the cinema at the point where he's again dancing in the in the bar and essentially trying to put Mary Jane to shame. And yeah, that was the point. Odd that was like, yeah. I'm gone. I'm, I'm I'm done. 
and uh, the, the friend I was with said, there's an all-you-can-eat Chinese next door, let's go there instead. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I can't finish this film. I just don't understand some of the choices they made in that film. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. It's just, yeah. Especially that, that whole sequence. Changing who killed Uncle Ben. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's just so weird. Changing who... Changing yeah. it. Some of it is just—it's just clunky. It's also nearly two and a half hours long. I mean, uh, the female characters in it have nothing. Yeah, it's really long. Like the female characters in it are literally nothing. You know, they're—they're they're literally there as a device for Peter to swing mm. through the air with. Yeah. Like you know, they've got really good act- actors playing those characters, and they don't use them at all. It's, it's great. Class. Like they're just—you know—Bryce Dallas Howard may as well not be there. She may as well be a, a like a, a tree stump. <laughs> For all the kind of acting she actually does, <laughs> it's such a shame because it, like, it could have been good. Yeah, you can see elements that would have been good. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think Sandman's an interesting villain. Not necessarily that he killed Uncle Ben, because that's just pointless. But just like having a villain who's not really a villain per se, you just by accident. I mean, that's classic Spider-Man, obviously. But the whole thing with his daughter and stuff, and it's just kind of like there's elements. Yeah. I'm like, I'm interested in this. But then I'm not interested in Venom because he just f- falls down out of the sky. Yeah. What are the chances? What was the point? They set of up the astronaut as well, though. They set up the, the astronaut boyfriend. One. Yeah. In the other movie, so why couldn't he have gone up into space and got the Venom parasite that way? It, but it just it just lands next to it. I absolutely agree. The the only character I really like is Sandman. The only one I feel sympathy with is Sandman. Yeah. You know, and that might be because I love Sideways and Thomas Hayden yeah. Church is amazing. True, but yeah, it just Sandman's just the only kind of the, the only character in it that I have any kind of you know respect for really. <laughs> and uh, and I was watching it then, I was like, I didn't realise Kurt Connors was in it, you know, Doctor Connors, and I was like, that would have been he would have been such a better villain, which is apparently yeah. what Sam Raimi wanted. Like, well, they were sort of setting him up as well in the other films. Well, they were supposed to be. Yeah, they were supposed to be kind of four, five, and six made, weren't they? But the reaction right. to this was so bad they decided to reboot it instead. Although, which was then even worse. It made a fortune, it made an absolute fortune. Yeah. This film, but that's coming off the that that's when it comes off the back of a film like Spider Man Two. Yeah, and people just want to go see it. True, and that happens a lot. It's like it's like Batman Begins didn't do mm. huge. Because it was coming off the back of Batman and Robin, but then The Dark Knight did do huge because Batman Begins was actually really good. Yeah, true. So it made so it like, like a knock-on effect. Eight hundred and sixty million dollars this movie, which is, uh, but then it cost three hundred and fifty million to make, which was like a hundred million over budget. Yeah, the hundred million over budget. That must have been the months. most expensive film ever at the time, then, right? Well, that's because they were probably changing stuff every five minutes because it feels like that, like they were going, oh, well, and then we'll do this and then we'll do that. And it feels very much like they were on the fly. It probably cost them a million dollars a day to film in oh. New York. Um, and they went eight months over over schedule. So that's wow. kind of a lot of the... You know, a lot of the money. It does have Bruce Campbell in it, though. Oh, he's, Bruce it's Campbell's the best, the best thing about it. <laughs> The Maitre yeah. D. Pecker? Oh, it's so good. I love Bruce Campbell. I was about to say, what's, what's your favourite <laughs> um, scene from Spider-Man 3? Is it the Bruce Campbell cameo? Yeah, it's always Bruce yeah, Campbell. Yeah, he's scene. so good in this. I can't wait from him in the new... Uh, it's going to yeah. be in Doctor Strange as well, apparently. So that's Sam Raimi. Oh, yeah, that's Sam Raimi as well. 
but given more leeway hopefully, to make something like you said this really just good. researching this film today it just seems like the studio were just trying to put too much things on sam like pressure like all he really wanted was sandman and they were like no come on you need venom because everyone's mm. been waiting for venom and it'll make certain money and we still got the, yeah. the james franco storyline that i completely forgot was in it until i literally watched the trailer today oh god yeah because he sort of goes nuts as well and then Willem Dafoe's in it again yeah just yeah, to like get a man a in the mirror or whatever. Willem Dafoe <laughs> yeah. that, Willem Dafoe's always good his bits are good there's the butler the weird butler who's like oh, the thing that annoyed me about this film is that literally none of it would have happened if people actually talked to each other if you actually yeah. said what's going on like the right at the end the butler's like I should have told you this but your, your father definitely killed himself <laughs> where were you three films ago he's gone nuts and got jacked up on yeah, psycho serum. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. I can see because the the drop off it is a hot mess. It's a perfect way. The drop off from Spider Man Two, which is probably one of the greatest comic book films, to this is in it's insane. I don't think there's many quite that's made yeah. quite that leap in not the good way. If there wasn't the other films, it it wouldn't be so bad. Like I think that there's been much worse comic book films or much worse films in general, obviously, but. It was just like the sort of hype around it, I remember, was huge. And we went to the cinema and we were so excited. Yeah, the black suit is so cool. And then there's like an English news reporter at the end and it's really weird. Why is this English woman (laughs) on the news? What's going on? That was odd. And she's just in a car, like with webs everywhere and stuff. It was just really strange. It is very cool. It's very comic booky though. But like, and that's the thing cheesy, I think is that it's yeah, it it comes across as cheesy because it's comic. They've tried to make it comic booky, and yeah. it, it's almost like they've tried a Tim Burton Batman kind of style comic book, but but not yeah. hit those kind of not hit those cues at all, and it's just come across mm. as kind of childish, really. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's just difficult. And I've got to say, I, I don't like Toby <laughs> Maguire's Spider-Man. I just uh, and it feels to me like. <laughs> Toby Maguire's too nerdy, and then what's his name? He comes next. Andrew Garfield was kind of too cool, and then, and then Tom, Tom Holland's just, just right. kind of hit it in the middle. Yeah, I yeah. Think like Goldilocks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just right. I found I found Toby Maguire in this movie just really painful. Just kind of the one thing that I always thought with the spider, the Toby Maguire Spider Man, that they could have had more of was the quipping, mm. like Spider Man being all cool and quippy. Because the whole point is in his day life, yeah. he's a loser and nobody likes him. So then when he's Spider Man and he gets that confidence and, he's, and he does all the cool fun quips and stuff yeah. which they get more of in the in the recent Tom Holland ones so I like the quips yeah and there's not enough quips he doesn't really have that at all does he no, no. It, it just feel, it just feels flat yeah. to me I think emo Peter Parker doesn't doesn't do anything for me (laughs) how are we going to signify that Peter's now confident uh, but weirdly evil oh we'll just swipe his hair across his face and make him paler (laughs) he doesn't look he doesn't look evil he looks like he should sit in the corner and write some poetry that's the bit (laughs) in the piano bar as well that's the bit uh, that's the leaving bit (laughs) like you're saying things I'm like oh god I remember this and then other memories are coming back there's something with pigeons isn't there in the sand Pit, how Sandman gets made. Yeah, he falls, he in. falls in and they go, Oh, it's just birds, they fly away and we turn it off. That's it. Yeah. Well, forget it, it doesn't matter. It's like, How scientific. <laughs> yeah. And wouldn't they, didn't they want to look at what they're doing? <laughs> wouldn't they see the guy in there because they're doing an experiment? They just switch it on and forget it. Also, Sandman's turned to sand 
and yet somehow the locket with his daughter's picture in it is not turned to sand. Like all his clothes are, he is, you know, his shoes, not not the locket. Like Film his fillings, everything's turned to like yeah, to sand, not the locket though. <laughs> I, I always thought the casting of Tolfa Grace as Venom mm. as Eddie Brock also uh, not great casting because I always imagine Eddie Brock a little bit like a bigger, like a bully, yeah. isn't he? Really? Yeah, yeah bully. Tolfa Grace was at that time was the that seventies guy. No, yeah. it didn't really work. But I thought I thought the CGI of Venom was okay. I mean, visually, it's got some good visuals and stuff. They obviously spent a lot of money. <laughs> they did spend a lot Clearly, of money. Yeah. <laughs> a hell of a lot of money. It's weird. Have you have you ever seen um, the older one that Sam Raimi did, Dark Man? Have you ever seen Dark Man? I haven't. Yes, I watched it at uni, but I can't. Because that is like a dry run for Spider-Man film, and that ends in a construction. Yard, but you know, like a build, a building being built, a, a yeah. fight. This is weird, and there's elements in that that are the same as Doctor Octopus in Spider-Man Two, where he goes to continue his work. I always thought that it's really Sam Raimi has these things continue through all of his films. Even so. some of the stuff in Evil Dead Two and Evil Dead yeah. is very Doc Ock, like definitely. The of the arms, yeah, the way he shoots stuff, but also just like themes and visuals and stuff. It, it's got that going for it. That you can tell it's a Sam Raimi movie still. Mm. When it gets going, it's quite dynamic and stuff. It's just too long. Two hours and 30 minutes for this. Yeah. It's insane. You just didn't need Venom, really. I can't <laughs> believe it's that long, actually. We were talking about, yeah, we were talking about how well Star Trek plays. This is completely different. This, yeah. The flow of it is just horrible and awful. It's just, and it's boring. It's really really dull for most of it yeah there's re- it's really dull actually it's it's mostly peter keep keep on trying to propose to mary jane but keep cocking it up essentially it's mm-hmm. <laughs> like 80 percent of the film like tripping over his own ego halfway through like, yeah you know thank god for bruce campbell hey yeah i mean bruce campbell's yeah. the saving grace <laughs> always is in every film it's only in it for like two minutes. Yeah, that's all he needs. But there, are, I mean, there are good actors in this film. There are, you know, but they're just not used, are they? That's like no one in it's kind of uh, Elizabeth Banks is in it for like all of like three lines. Like oh God, she's the she's like the secretary. She works at the yeah. J.K. Simmons, I've just realised, is still in yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, J.K. Simmons is in it. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah, he's yeah. even J. Jonah Jameson's muted. Like he's not even very good in this because he's yeah, had a heart just attack. Obviously, a bit unfocused. <laughs> unfocused. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the director fully had his had his heart in it. And then obviously, when it no. came to end and came to do Spider Man Four, he tried to lay out what he wanted, and then the studio got involved again. Yeah, I think he just that, was like, "I'm not doing that again," so he just walked. I guess. Yeah. It's probably the best choice he made, to be honest. Like, because they yeah. ruined this one. Yeah, I would watch any Sam Raimi film. He's, he's mm. great. What film have you enjoyed so much, but you didn't think it needed a sequel? Oh, that's a really, that's a really good one. That's a good. Right, that, that, that's oh, perfection. Enjoyed so much that didn't <laughs> didn't need a sequel. So I was I was like, well, I'm not bothered about this, but then I loved it. Or, or the other way around. You like there's just there's no point. I also like your question, so I'm going to nick that for future episodes. Which one didn't you care and you enjoyed the second one more? You can answer either one of them. I don't know, but I know which ones I think are pointless, completely and utterly pointless. Would be the Matrix two and three. Yes. yes. First Matrix is completely self-contained story, and it ends and it's done. Yeah. It's finished. It's completely finished. There's no need for a sequel at all. No matter what they did, it was going to undermine that movie. Mm. And they, they did. Absolutely agree with you. Like yeah. Two and three, completely pointless. Because The Matrix is an absolutely brilliant film. It's, an, it's like a classic film. And the sequels, they're not terrible. No. Nope. 
but they're not classics, are they? So there's just no point to them because it's just like we want to make the money. Come on, yeah. more. Like, you can say that about a lot of stuff, like in recent years as well, like the Transformers sequels. And there's like six of them. Yeah. They're all the same. There's no need for that many Transformers. They're all nonsense. <laughs> Time travelling. What? There's like the, the Knights of the Round Table now with Transformers and stuff or something, my friend was telling me. I've not seen Have that Have you not one. seen that one? There's one with the Knights of the Round Table and it turns out that they're Transformers or something along those lines. I gave up after the third one, I think. Yeah, yeah I gave up after the third one when they were on the moon. Yeah. Oh, I actually quite enjoyed that one. That's, that's, Did she? Oh, it's bad. There's a fourth one when they really tried to get the, the Asian market. So they kept going to just like Shanghai and stuff. Marky Mark's in it all of a sudden. I've seen one with Marky Mark. Yeah, that's Extinction. That was I think awful and then I thought Shia LaBeouf was annoying yeah and then the last night is the one when they do a whole Merlin's in it and his staff and they make hot rod French <laughs> oh what? god it's sake. hot it's got hot rod in it hot, and he's French it was the worst thing it's so bad and Annie Hopkins I might have to watch it, it just Annie Hopkins so no mate it's three hours long Annie Hopkins <laughs> in there that's the weird thing all the stereotypes they do with the cars so if they have like an Italian car, it's like a really weird stereotyped Italian yeah. character. And it's like, they're aliens from outer space. What the hell is going on? <laughs> they're non-carbon based life forms from a metal planet that don't have Italian accents. Like, I don't mind them having beards and stuff because I've always thought that's cool if they've got a beard, like a robot beard. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. cool. He's an old robot. But why? <laughs> why is he an Italian? Because he's an Italian car. <laughs> What is your dream sequel? What's the film you, you love so much that hasn't got a sequel and, and Rich is magician so he can make this happen? <laughs> okay, well, it sort, of is, it sort of is happening but not happening, which is why I want to talk about it because I'm a bit disappointed. But I'm not disappointed. I don't know. Anyway, a sequel in the Tim Burton Batman yeah. universe that is Michael Keaton Batman, but The Dark Knight Returns, basically... So don't do the comic book, The Dark Knight Returns, because like the original Batman's kind of like killing joke, yeah. few of the bits and bobs, but then they did their own spin on it, obviously, and so it's its own universe, isn't it? It's like Tim Burton's yeah. Batman. Yeah. So that it, with that Gotham, with that, and and he has to come back for whatever reason. So Batman you're talking, again. yeah, sequel to Batman Returns, and you would have it have it done now yep. as old man Batman, or would you a few years after Batman Returns? I'd have it done now as old Amazing. man, old man Batman. Nice. So just do I it like now, because obviously he's coming back in the Flash movie, and it's like it's cool, he's gonna be Batman again. But I think Michael Keaton for me is like a definitive Batman, mm. or at least the yeah. comic book. Batman, like just the visuals, the vibe, the acting. Yeah. The, he's the one that's the most psychotic, yeah, by far. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> it just could be so good. Keaton is Batman for me. Like there, there's no yeah. other Batman. It just could be such a good film. What are if you? They did it right. He looks so that's good it. as Batman. He, he is. He's just, he's just <laughs> so good. Genuinely scary, you know. There was there was a third part planned, so Tim Burton had it all planned, and mm. it got trashed by Joel Schumacher essentially because again the studio interfered too much, and Tim Burton said, "No, I'm not doing it." And pulled Keaton out, walked. and then Keaton walked. Shortly. It's interesting yeah. to read about all Keaton that. walked, and they got Val Kilmer. Do you know they had Robin Williams lined up for the Riddler? That'd been insane. Yeah, that would have been. I heard that, that. would have been good. That would have been amazing. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's weird how it all went. Keep Burton directing. That's your. That's who you would have your. your director now not necessarily because he's kind of lost his mojo nowadays <laughs> no you can you know, say it i don't like being neg- i don't like being negative about people i just feel like it. he he's in search of a, of a hit. yeah definitely 
So this could be it, to be honest. Mm. You know, get his mojo back because it's very Tim Burton, the Batman movie, especially Batman Returns as well. Yeah. And there's just something about it. The tone, again, I could keep coming back to tone, but I could just you can just see it, him like, having to be Batman again. Alfred's long dead because he was already really he old. He was very old. You have to have, like, Robin, you know, but you do that sort of, like, Robin was probably killed. Okay, um, I was about to say, who would you cast? And, and then he's like, I'm going to get a new Robin. Okay. And he doesn't want to do it, but then he has to do it because he's old. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just it kind of almost writes itself because you've got that time period in between. Who would you cast as... The new Robin, then? I think it would be best if it was as a, a girl, okay. like in the comic. Yeah. I have no. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> Just one step. Would you have Danny, Danny Elfman back as composer to the music? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Because that's like a huge part of Batman, where it's gothic and just brilliant and then you can do another sequel after you can do Batman Beyond oh. yes please where he can't be Batman now because he's literally too old and he has to train a new Batman and it's going a bit more sci-fi and stuff because Batman Beyond's a really cool cartoon and a really good idea so I've got two movies for you Warner Brothers <laughs> That's do you think if it goes well with The Flash Michael Keaton he gets a lot of heat from it saying he's still got it do you reckon that they might go we have this idea yeah Batman Beyond you can still be Batman. If it goes down well, this film, which it won't, then um... <laughs> that's negative. No. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. <laughs> there's too much. There's too much baggage. Yeah. Around it because they're obviously stuck. It's a bit like the Bumblebee movie, which is really good, really but it's good. stuck with the baggage of the Bay movie. Mm. And not that Justice League is terrible. Not that Batman versus Superman is terrible. Mm. <laughs> I, I just don't want to say it because I'm not a negative person like that. But they're not, they're a mess. Yeah. Oh, Batman yeah. versus Superman. I, I, I don't want to, and you yeah. can't say that too much because you're going to get you know lynched the fans, online. Yeah. And that's my only issue with it is that it's in that it's in that lane still. Yeah. Whereas the new Batman movie, I'm excited for because they're just gone. Forget it. Yeah. yeah. We're just doing Batman now. The thing with DC movies is every fourth or fifth movie they put an absolute cracker out of the bag. So like Bird, Birds yeah. of Prey is brilliant. Love that movie. Like, I've not seen it. It's good. It's, it's, enjoyable. it's very, very good. <laughs> they do. I like. I thought I enjoyed Shazam. I thought Shazam. Shazam was sounds fun. good. Yeah, it is good. You know, I like hated every four uh, or five movie. Yeah, Aquaman sucks. I've not watched that. <laughs> don't, oh, yeah, I just don't. The tone. <laughs> Talking about tone, you're going to be very mixed up in that. <laughs> I've not seen the Snyder Cut either because I don't have that much time. Sadly, yeah, I've. I've Rich hasn't seen. Oh yeah, it was. It was good. That's me being as excited as I can get about it. I mean, it made sense. It as, made sense. Not, it's, it's not like cut to pieces, I guess. No, I it's still a lot, need to see. It's a lot of slow mo. Okay. I still need to watch the director's cut of Batman vs Superman because I watched that in the cinema and came out going, "What? <laughs> what? What, what yeah. have I just watched? I have no idea how that, any of that happened." <laughs> so, but yeah. apparently, the director's cut makes more sense. It does. It's a weird thing because I blame the Nolan Batman movies for this, and not because they're bad. Okay, good. Because they're very good. But their whole ethos was, this is real world. This is what if Batman was real. Yeah. So it's not comic booky, And they're even a little bit ashamed to talk about the comic books. Like in whenever they did interviews, they'll go, this is like a crime movie. This is like heat. It's a man dressed up as a bat. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> but that went down very, very well. So then somebody who... I'm not saying... I don't want to be negative, <laughs> but I guess it's hard to say. <laughs> A producer or a or a man in a suit or a person in a suit basically said more of that. Place. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then they doubled down on it, and then that's why Man of Steel doesn't really work because it because if you set it in that 
uber realistic world yeah just doesn't you can't yeah just i think it. batman and robin did a lot of damage to a lot of the comic book stuff at that point well yeah and then that it was did. quite refreshing for a while the new stuff like like you said the batman but then there's a point when you, you don't you want the the old like the, the keaton burton batman you watch that now mm. and it's so refreshing compared to what's now and the look of it like you, the tone of it and the sound of it and the music and even the acting and the storylines like a slightly heightened reality yeah yeah because then the heroics sort of make more sense like gotham in those in the burton films are my favorite gotham because it yeah yeah it's different yeah it's got green slime and like you know like like scum and villainy you know all that kind of yeah it's so weird because there's people in like old 50s style hats and the newsroom is like something from the 40s but then there's like 80s stuff in it as well and there's a whole hodgepodge so it just becomes its own thing yeah. i love it if you're gonna if you're gonna do a comic book movie make your own world you know that's that's yeah. why the burton ones work for me i'd love yeah. to see something like that again just create your own world I'm saying i'd love to see a tim burton batman again i think he needs it yeah personally. he definitely needs it <laughs> he knows the character he works well with Michael Keaton, who is now, yeah. well, he's open to being Batman because he is being Batman again. So Michael Keaton must be thinking, maybe I'll get a Batman movie mm. out of this. Yeah. yeah, I hope so. Fingers crossed for the Just He's such a good actor, though. You, know, you watch things like uh, Birdman and st- or even the McDonald's one, The Founder. It's like, like a kind of boring film, but he's just absolutely brilliant in it. He's just such a good actor. Well, yeah, when he, when he pops up in little films, like a little bit, what is the one recently I've watched? Not Spotlight. It's another court drama. He was a president. I can't remember. Who. But he's even good in Spider-Man, isn't he? Even the, the... Great. In, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's great. Like brilliant as the vulture. I'm glad they didn't kill him. Yeah. Because they have a tendency to kill villains in films, don't they? But Marvel have kind of realised if they've got a good one, they can keep him mm. and bring him back. He was great in the trial of the Chicago 7. He pops up in that. Ah, uh, right. I yeah. Know. I'm not seeing that. Is that good? If you like Alan Sorkin, it is good. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's getting a love. Cool. It's getting a lot of hate for some reason. I'm not quite sure why. Is it really? Everything does, doesn't it? Then. Yeah, it's weird what yeah. gets hate and what doesn't. Everything gets a lot of love and everything gets a lot. It of hate. goes in cycles. I don't think I've ever seen anything Aaron Sorkin's done that I haven't loved. Mm, I'm probably yeah. like he's a very good writer. Yeah, would you I'm get not... him to write Batman? The new Batman film? Oh, no, I, no, I don't think he'd work. He, well, you know, yeah, no. <laughs> maybe if Batman was president and he was trying to get a complicated bill through Congress, then potentially that would be an Aaron Sorkin one. Who was the guy that wrote the the animated series of Batman, or a lot of it? I'd get him. I don't know. Or was it? Or was like the creative guy, or Paul Dini? Was it? On the Batman animated series, I, to, I do enjoy the Batman animated series. I've always thought that that that, that got what I like about Batman right. Obviously, because it was spun off from the Burton Batman, really, wasn't it? But oh, I haven't asked you the biggest question. What would your villains be in this movie? That's a really good question because I'm just like, I just have Batman back. <laughs> uh, like any we haven't seen on screen yet. Maybe. Like a fleshed out scarecrow could be cool in a Burton style. Yeah, you could do well with yeah. With some good dream sequences or um Mad Hatter. A new villain Calendar Man. A new villain might be good. What's his name? I mean a decent a decent Riddler and a decent Harvey Dent would be a decent two face would be. Yeah. I'd love a decent yeah. Riddler. Because I think that the Riddler's going to be decent in the new... Yes, Paul Dano's going to smash his own it. thing. Because the Riddler's kind of like a really... That's a good psycho, isn't it? Because he's sort of like different yeah. to the usual... Obviously, like in the Batman Forever, they just were like, just do more like the Jack Nicholson stuff. Just be like wacky. Mm. 
You like the Joker and Frank Gorshin from the old 60s show, obviously. But, yeah, that's a good question because I'm just like, I just want Batman back. <laughs> you could do the gang, the whole gangs thing from The Dark Knight yeah. uh, Returns. And they start, like, worshipping Batman and they wear the Batman. That'd be interesting. But then Batman's like, I don't like what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. And he has to fight the mutant, is it the mutant leader? Yeah. That was a bit And he, like, I love that bit, though, in The, in the Dark Knight Returns because he's a big dude with his teeth and he's young and he's really but Batman beats him with his smarts mm. and it's just that's a real classic scene in The Dark Knight Returns I'd love a kind of comic book Bane well Not, Dave Bautista yeah. the other day said out he's going to play him he hasn't even been offered a part oh, really? he's, just gone, he's gone to Warner Brothers <laughs> and he's threatened them apparently like I am playing Bane so a guy that sort of pumps up yeah. But not, I mean, Bane in the in the Nolan films is more more of an intelligent Bane than you get in the comic books, right? I guess. Yeah. Bane's kind of a blunt instrument, I guess, in the comic books, isn't he? Yeah. The thing is, is you, it's got to be a villain that matches Batman. That's why it's, they always go back to the Joker because he's the mm. flip of the coin, isn't he? Yeah. You know, he's like the opposite of Batman, and that's kind of like why it works so well. But they can't do the Joker because Jack Nicholson got yeah. Who's? Off of is, I like to see a decent Doctor Freeze. I think that would be good. Schwarzenegger one yeah, wasn't freeze, quite. Yeah. And who's the the other Doctor? The I'm trying to think of an Arkham City now. The computer game, the big bad guy. I don't know if you played that game. I have played that game. Hugo Strange. Yeah, we haven't seen Hugo Doctor Strange. Strange. Oh, yeah. Not Doctor Strange. Not Doctor Strange. No. Oh, I like Rajar Ghul yeah. done with the whole he lives forever that thing. That'd be interesting instead yeah. of just being a dude. So like he actually has the pit and he can. All that sort of stuff. Because he's a good villain that comes back a lot in the comics. This is a great pick. And those were Matt Ferguson's unequal sequels. I, for the most part, very much agree with what everything had to say. I think you enjoyed that one. I'm really glad someone else picked Spider-Man 3 because that would be my worst <laughs> sequel too. Although, having now watched some other movies as part of this podcast, maybe there's some other ones I would choose. But but coming into this, yeah, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3 would have been my, also been my worst sequel. Yeah, and you enjoyed talking about Transformers with another Transformers fan, didn't you? Yeah, I did. It was really nice. And uh, yeah, I look out, look out for Matt's name popping up on my Transformers groups that I follow on social media because I'm sad like that. I don't think that's true. No, no, it's true. It's very true. <laughs> but yeah, it was good. It was a great episode. Thanks to Matt for for coming along and for for doing that with us. And uh, keep an eye out for Matt's Transformers merchandise that's about mm. to come out. If you have an account on Zavi then I suggest you have a look on Zavi and look at the Transformers times Matt Ferguson. So Transformers X Matt Ferguson collection. It's not out yet, but it's coming really, really soon. And so some of the merchandise and stuff that, that he's uh, he's been making for Transformers is coming out. Yeah, how much money are you going to spend on that? Have you been budgeted? I don't know. It depends. It No, I haven't budgeted. It sort of depends on how flush I'm feeling at the time <laughs> and how much I can get yeah. away with my wife not noticing. That's true. <laughs> I really enjoyed Matt and I'm a massive fan of his work. So it was nice voice behind the, the posters. I've got a couple of these pieces. Yeah, absolutely. His company, uh, Vice Press, you should check out their work. There's many good artists on there. So that's Vice Press. Amazing stuff. If you like what we do, we are on Twitter at Unequal Sequel. We're on Instagram, Unequal Sequel. And we are now on five Google, Apple, finally, and most other places where you can get your podcasting 
from. Woohoo! Yes. Share this podcast with your friends. Share it with your family. Share it with your nan. Share it with mm. your dog and your dog's mum and mm. your next door neighbours and yeah. you know your cousin's sister's boyfriend. Anyone you think that might enjoy it, which is everyone, share this podcast with them. Get get it out there. Have we got anything else to say? I mean, keep an eye out for the Baywatch podcast. That's where we started. It's where we where we uh, we made a little name for ourselves in the podcasting world. So uh, do do keep an eye out for the Baywatch podcast if you like a bit of bit of eighties nineties nostalgia. It's terrible. I'm not going to lie. The podcast is great. Baywatch. I thought you were is telling terrible. saying we were terrible. But <laughs> no, the the program is awful. But if you like to hear two men and a guest moan and say funny things about a terrible TV show that apparently does eventually get good, then tune into that. That we're on the on the socials and we're also on Apple and Spotify and. And Google and other places. So I am waiting for it to get good. <laughs> We're kind of on a mid-season break at the moment, so that's quite yeah nice. gives us a chance to focus on this. And don't don't forget, we do have unequal sequel extra, extra. coming to you on Fridays. So unequal sequel comes out on Mondays. It's when we have our special guest, and then we have extra. extra. Yeah, that comes out on Fridays, uh, which gives you some uh, some added sequel-based content. So keep an eye out for that too. If you subscribe, then you'll just get it as a little treat every Friday yeah, morning. Nice. It'll just pop up for you straight away. And you'll be like, oh, an unexpected gift. We're so nice. Yeah, yeah, we try. We try. But that's all from us. So until next time, thank you for listening. Bye from me. Bye. Have a good week. Bye.